0: This morning's scripture reading will be taken from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was uh, hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous Answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink, or saw thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devils and his angels. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in, naked, and ye clothed me not, sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of these least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into the everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal.
1: Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We are grateful for your presence. We are very thankful to have visitors with us today. As always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have we are very thankful for the first day of our gospel meeting many of you are here for that and let me just add if you are in the process of looking for a church home we would love to have you consider the work here at Olive Branch we believe that the church here has great opportunities to make an impact in this community what we want to do is to make New Testament Christianity known in this community and to be a light in this lost and dying world and so we would invite you to give consideration to the work here. Today we are very grateful to have Brother Keith Mosier with us. Many of you were present for our Bible class hour, and Brother Mosier did an outstanding job. And it's been my privilege to know Brother Mosier since 1991, and he has served in this area, local congregations, the Old Gregg Avenue Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and then he was also the minister for the South Haven congregation for some years. He and his wife, Dorothy, have been married since 1961 and they have partnered together and been responsible for many conversions to the cause of Christ and for that we're grateful. Brother Mosher received degrees from the Memphis School of Preaching, Amridge University, and also Harding Graduate School of Religion. I've always appreciated his uh, thought-provoking lessons, the fact that he preaches and teaches the Bible in a very balanced and concise way, and I know that you will appreciate the lessons that he has prepared for us this week. And so at this time, let me introduce to you our speaker of the hour, Brother Keith Mosher.
2: Can you all see that way over there? That's a Yankee saying, y'all, did you hear that? When you think about the work of a congregation, you have to think about souls. And whatever we're doing in worship, or the pulpit, or the bulletin, or our youth groups, or benevolence, whatever it is, we're interested in souls. As I look around this auditorium this morning, I see that there's room for some more souls. And you cannot think of the work of the church. Now, I listed up there about 15 or 20 programs congregations do not start growing until there are at least 12 programs. And once they are in place, and that includes your vacation Bible school uh, and so on, and until the congregation knows why it exists, little growth takes place. So I would challenge you to think about your purpose here in Olive Branch. Why are we here? This particular congregation, for what particular purpose? Now, in order to be like that, we need to become mature new testament christians i need the next overhead in every congregation of god's people there are three groups i've listed them up up there for you so that you can see that there is a hardcore group a mainstream group and an outer fringe group and you will notice that i made the hardcore group the largest circle but because that's where i would like for all of us to be and i want you as we go through this this morning to ask yourself a very serious question. Am I a churchgoer or a New Testament Christian? Because there is a huge difference in those two points. Am I a churchgoer or a New Testament Christian? Well, let's uh, go to 2 Corinthians 13:5. We'll take the next over here. Then. And look at this verse and think about things that can tell us whether or not we are New Testament Christians or churchgoers. The apostle tells us to examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith. For well, you know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. Now how am I going to measure myself? Well, I'm going to have to look at my character. Character is what I am when nobody else is watching. I'm going to ask myself how much Bible I know. What do I like to talk about all the time? I can't see what the next one is there, but I think it's service. Oh, Bible knowledge and service, right? Oh, com- no, I got that one. I want the one under conversation. Is that service? That's what I thought. You're messing me up already. How much do I serve the Lord? How often do I serve the Lord? And finally, when programs get started, am I one of the starters? Or am I in the way of the work of the church? Have I ever won a soul to Christ? Have I ever won a soul to Christ? Christ. Well, let's look at the outer fringe group first. We have the indicators from 2 Corinthians 13, 5. What is this outer fringe group? I'm going to say that this gentleman, is whomever we are describing here, is uh, limited in his character. He has a kind of uncommitted character. I was sitting next to a gentleman one time on a plane, and he was cursing every other word, and then I asked him, or he asked me what I did, and I said I was a preacher. He said, well, I'm a member of the Church of Christ. I didn't go any further with that, but I might have asked him how often he attended. Preachers tease about these folks because we're worried about them. I would like for you to look at James 5:19 and 20 with me for just a moment. And notice that this person's knowledge of the Bible is very limited. These folks will call me pastor, for instance. Not realizing that the pastor is the elder. I'm not a pastor, not an elder anywhere, and there have to be a number of pastors in order to have it scripturally organized. But this fellow needs to be studied with again. James said, If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, this is an unconverted person who is on the roll, but he doesn't attend very often. We tease and call him C and E Christians, Christmas and Easter. That's about when they show up, maybe 10 or 20 times a year. And their giving is not planned. You know, the Bible says as we purposed in our hearts, we have to plan our giving. And our giving has to be committed. It comes off the very top of our income, not the net, the gross. That's what God wants, the very top of it, the very best of it. This person would never understand that. And when you talk to this person, he'll tell you, I'm a member of the Church of Christ, and he actually thinks he's saved. But he hasn't worshipped God in so long, I guess he's forgotten where the church building is. And here's the major problem. He interferes with the church work, because ha- our church grows because we have to keep visiting him, trying to get him to come, when we could be out winning souls, other souls. But his soul is important too. But whether he realizes it or not, his activity is interfering with the work of the church in fact he's not even saving his own soul because God wants us to worship him he seeks worshipers let's look at the mainstream Christian and brothers and sisters I want you to take a hard look at this one I doubt if we had any of those first ones here this morning we might have had but this is 86 percent of the church and I want you seriously to consider moving out of this group and, and becoming a New Testament Christian not a churchgoer. This person character is situational. By that I mean he can be one way sometimes and another way another time. It's not consistent. He doesn't talk very much about the Bible. In fact, 70% of our brethren cannot give you the plan of salvation if they have to give you the book chapter and verse for it. And yet, their attendance is 200 times a year. They're usually there when the doors are open on Sunday and Wednesday. Listen to me carefully, please. If you're measuring your spirituality by the number of times you attend, please rethink that. Please rethink that. We need to be there. But that's just what we do because of another reason that I want to bring out a little later. Uh, Their giving is casual. It's not planned or purposed, again, from the gross income. Uh, Sometimes they're in and sometimes they're out. Sometimes they're cold, sometimes they're hot. Uh, Jesus hoped that we'd get one or the other, remember? And this person, where he's in the church 35 years or 5 years, has never won a soul to Christ. Has never won a soul to Christ. And yet, they are the mainstream of our congregations. And what I'm begging you to do this morning is to take a look at that and move. Get away from that idea about spirituality and move. Let's get them hardcore now. Here's what we want to be. Let me say to the elders, we can't do without these folks. They're our teachers. They're our teachers. They're very faithful. They read their Bibles. They study it. They teach. How many of you know why we don't study the Bible if we don't? Let me see if I can illustrate why we don't. When I was in the United States Navy, they sent me, four months after I got married to Dorothy, they sent me to Adak, Alaska. For 13 months, Dorothy wasn't there. 27 days, Dorothy wasn't there. 17 hours and 11 minutes, I was separated from her. But that girl wrote me every day. In fact, she wrote twice a day while I was up there. I had all kinds of letters. So I went to the base carpenter and I said you're going to have to build me a shelf on which to put these letters that my wife is sending to me and uh, when I get time to read them I will. Anybody here believe what I just said? Go like this. I ripped open those letters, I wore them out reading them. Why? Now tell yourself why you don't study the Bible. You have to love the one that wrote it. And that's a hardcore Christian. He's in love with Jesus. He talks about the church when you're with him. I have on my wall in my office a handwritten description of the Bible from a brother up in Parsons, Tennessee. Uh, In fact, some of you may know his uh, brother here, Raymond Hayes over at Greg Haven. It was at Greg Haven at one time. But Elton Hayes wrote me this description But every time you were at Brother Hayes' house, you talked about the Bible. He was interested. That's what he wanted to know, and I loved that. His service is constant. These people never miss the gospel meetings. They're there whenever you need them. All the work's being done, whatever it is. They are committed, purposeful in their giving. They plan it, and uh, they know that the church cannot survive. These are our soul winners. How many? About 14% of the church. You can turn that off. Oh, just leave that one up there. Let's just leave that one up there. Let's open to our Bible reading this morning. This is the 25th chapter of Matthew. In the first part of this chapter, the Lord talks about five foolish and five wise virgins. All of these are members of the church. They are not folks in the world different from folks in the church. They're all members of the church. That is, they are his children. But some of them weren't prepared, were they, for him to come back. In the next section, he talks about the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called unto them his servants. They're all his servants. And divided unto them his goods and to one he gave five dollars another two dollars and another one dollar and I'm saying dollar because a talent's a piece of silver this parable's not about use your talents for the Lord folks this parable is about what did you do with what God gave you and God never gives us anything that we can't do he gave this one five another one two and another one one how did he decide to do that? He gave to every man according to his ability. He didn't say to the man, you that can only do one thing, you do five. I'm going to give it to you the way you can do it. Guess what that fellow with one dollar did? And I guarantee you he's a good churchgoer. But he forgot to be a servant. Now these are all members of the church come to verse 31 now here's another scene he's talking about members of the church he's going to sit on the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations see where to go teach all nations so here are all the Christians from all over the world right in front of him and he has to separate them now I know he's talking about all Christians because you you don't have to separate Christians from the world (laughs) they should have done that themselves he has to separate these folks he talked about a net one time being sent out, gathered all kinds of folks into it. Same thing's happening here. How did he make the difference? How did he make the decision to set some over here and some over there? Here's how he did it. He said, Now, you folks that attended 200 times a year, you get over here. And you folks that only attended 10, you get. That's not what he did. Oh, I know what he did. He said, You folks that pray all the time, you. No, he didn't even talk about that. And he certainly did not talk about Bible study here. I don't understand it. Aren't those important things? I've been talking about them all morning. What's the problem? Folks, until we get past measuring our spirituality that way, we haven't become what God wants us to be. We're not even close. Watch what he says. He gathers all the nations, sets the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left, tells the sheep, come for the, into the kingdom prepared for you. I was hungry, you gave me food. Thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in naked. You clothed me sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. I want you to hear the answer of the righteous. Lord, when did we see you hungry? Uh, Thirsty? Gave you drink? When did we ever see you a stranger? Or naked or clothed? Notice their answer. Notice the words of it. He said, well, since you did it to all these folks, you did it to me. What about that other group? Underline it carefully. They say the same thing that the righteous did. Exactly the same words, gave the same answer the righteous did, but there has to be a difference. Somehow the righteous are the hardcore. These folks never got a hold of what it meant to be a New Testament Christian. He's going to tell them to depart. I was hungry, you gave me no meat, and so on. But look at their answer, verse 44. Then shall they also answer, exactly the way the righteous did. They say the exact words. They knew the answer, but they're lost. They didn't ever come to the realization that the hungry and the thirsty and the naked and those in prison were their brothers and sisters and needed help. They had not even gotten past measuring their spirituality in some other way. Don't know what happened or what caused that. But wouldn't you like to be in the front group and not the last group? Wouldn't you like to be a hardcore Christian? Dedicating yourself to God's way of doing things? These went away into everlasting punishment. It's been so simple for them. Brothers and sisters, when you put a sign up out here that says the Church of Christ meets here, you're telling this community, when you have a need, we'll meet it. Elders, one of your qualifications is given to hospitality. Now that doesn't mean you take the preacher home for lunch. That means that you are a person who before you were ever appointed was out here in this community looking for people who had needs, and once you became a shepherd, you were trying to find the needs within the flock that you were serving, you were given hospitality. That also is a qualification for all of us as Christians. We should be looking for people who are interested in the gospel, who have needs, who are uh, hungry and thirsty and whatever, And helping them. That's where he wants us to be. Get past attendance, I'm going to do that automatically. Get past prayer, I'm going to do that automatically. Bible study, automatic with me. But now all of that should have pushed me to where he wants me to be. A New Testament Christian. Look at Matthew 16 with me for just a moment. Verse 24. Let's see. If I'm not making any sense, it's because I'm a little bit sick this morning. In Matthew 16, right after Peter told him not to go and die, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, If any man will come after me, this is verse 24, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I was teaching a Bible study class years ago and this sister raised her hand. She says, well, I know what that cross is. I know the one I have to bear. I said, what's that? She said, my husband. Well, <laughs> I don't know that that's a problem. I mean, I guess that was a problem for her, but I don't. that's not what the cross is here. Let's look at that a moment. What is it Jesus what is it that Jesus is asking us to do? Well he said deny yourself and take up your cross. For what did they use a cross in the first century? Didn't they put people to death on it? Well let's put this in the vernacular that we, so we can get a hold of what he said. Let him deny himself and take up his electric chair. Hangman's news. Lethal injection. What did you say, Lord? I said, put yourself to death. Paul told the Colossian brethren, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of the Father. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with God in Christ. Did you know that a hardcore Christian never worries about himself? Did you know that a hardcore Christian is a New Testament Christian? Did you know that a hardcore Christian is a true follower, not of a preacher, not of elders, but of Jesus the Christ? On one occasion when Jesus was trying to illustrate a point, he set a little child in the midst of his disciples.
3: Setting a little child in our marriage. I first met her when she was three years old. She was brought to the Lancelot Church of Christ by a friend of the family. And she came up to me afterwards and she said, teacher, mom was in the hospital. Well, I found out in the hospital. It's I great busy. And her mother was giving birth to her young sister's wife. About three days later, the girl and I went by the house and the little girl ran out and she said, the teacher's here, the teacher's She grabbed my hand and into the kitchen we went and she said to her mother, he said to talk to you about God. She went out and yelled. Well, we got to talking to her about God. When we first started studying with her, there were cigarettes in her hand and a pen on her finger. And the more we studied, those things started disappearing. She became a Christian. And I said to the little girl, said, Aren't you excited? Mom's not a Christian. She looked at me and she said, What about my sister? And I began to understand something about this little girl. She's a pastor. She won't leave me alone. She's got somebody else who wants to be brought to It was very nice of girl. She said, Well, where's she going baptized? I said, Kirstie, she's going to be. She said, we didn't talk to me, Mom. Okay, who's me, Mom? Great grandmother. I thought it was a grandmother, but she said, me, Mom, great grandmother? Well, great grandmother took her home. <laughs> she was a Mexican grandmother. But then, Pierce is after me, Nana. Well, again, Nana, that's her grandmother. Two of her uncles and two of her aunts. A couple of years later, when she was about 10 years old, she called me on the phone with me. She said, Brother King, I don't remember that. But she said, Brother King, this is Mexican Pierce. So I know what it happened. She did it that time. Then she called me one day and her daddy was that time. I said, who else are your father down there. Everywhere she went, somebody heard my daughter. Well, <laughs> one Sunday in April, the song got up. And read it for the letter. the heart, in the heart of go to the mother. ask her mother to take her to the National Depth and the Maxwell Bookstore up there, and get her a crack. You don't know what she got? She's got a crack. the evening, I went home from the softball practice, they stopped at the ice cream place where it's William just across the road. Her little softball rolled out of the street, and she ran out to get it because of William and still came in. And the car that hit her field was glad to stop. Friday night, good morning. Thank yeah. you But I get you a room and I extract the room before we leave it, takes it takes your It takes making the decision for Christ, beginning you yourself, here's your speed, and you following him. It takes loving Bible study, loving worship, loving prayer, loving all those things, but it takes using out of those too. China, and I want you to be a part of this group. you had an opportunity this morning to decide, yes, I'm tired of just going to church. I think I'll start becoming a and do a Christian. And you're an honest Christian this morning. A Christian has heard that Jesus died and prayed, goes again the third day, and he's afraid. He believes that. Once he believes it, he has to make a decision. It's called dependent. You don't have in your mind. You decide to do what God told you to do because of all that God did for you. And then, the first thing God will tell you to do is you to make that decision. He'll say, confess my son before you did. Then he'll profess a good profession before him. He will then tell you to be the emergency bar for the mission you did. And God will not pay you what you're saying before him. And he will want you to obey and confess it. And he will put you into Christ and add you to the church. That's 2.7 in the New Testament. Maybe, just maybe, somebody here this morning has decided, I'm going to be a hardcore Christian. Let us know why